Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Great. If you want to grab your seats. A big welcome especially to uh, Kevin's family there here with us uh, this morning. So big welcome to you guys. Great to have you here. Brilliant. Let's just pray, shall we, uh, before we get into the Word. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing across the congregations, across this region. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing in this nation, in amongst all the turmoil, indecision, arguments and division. We thank you that you are still Lord over this nation. And Father, in the midst of all that stuff, we thank you that you are at work. Father, I thank you around the nation, churches in different counties and regions are all saying the same thing. They're sensing there's a fresh release of the Spirit, fresh release of what you're doing. And maybe the world doesn't know it yet, but you are on the move. And Father, we don't want to live by what we see in the natural. We want to live by what you are saying. And Father, I thank you that you've called us as believers to be people of faith, that we speak things that are not as though they were, that we declare your purposes in the middle of situations that don't look like your purposes are being outworked. That Father, we live our lives as a prophetic people, like as signs and symbols. The way we live our lives is a demonstration of what we believe you're releasing now into our culture, into our nation. That how we live in our relationships, our marriages, our families, our homes, how we live in relationship with others, how we are in the workplace, how we are in the community, how we are, Father, that would all speak loudly of who you are. And Father, I thank you. You've not just called us to be a people of faith, but you've also called us to be a people of love. That the power of your word and of life and faith and all of that dynamic is expressed through love. So Father, I thank you. You've called us to be a people of mercy. That you showed us your mercy before we even knew who you are and we responded to your mercy. And in that response, you forgave us. You turned our lives around. You you made us right with you. And you put your life in us. And then you want that life not only to be in us, but you want it to be released through us. So Father, I thank you that this life that you've given us is contagious. This life you've given us is infectious. This life that you've put on the inside of us, you want it to leak through our lives. You want it to flow through our lives. You want it to be released through our lives, Father, into our family members that don't know you, to our neighbours and friends and work colleagues. Wherever we are this week, however we live our lives, you want your life to overtake the life of what is going on in other people. Because your word says, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. So Father, I thank you that we're not people who are intimidated by by the world and by the culture and by all the issues of the day. We thank you that we're here to be life-giving, to bring your life, your salvation, your healing, who you are into people's lives. And so Father, we thank you that as we look at your word this morning, 
We thank you that you grace us by your Holy Spirit to live what your word is speaking to us and what your Holy Spirit enables us then to live in our lives. We thank you, Lord. We praise your name. Amen. Amen. How many of you love Jesus this morning? Great. Well, we are as a church going through a series called Living a Next Steps Life. And there's a little tagline that goes with that, as worshippers. So what does that mean to live a next steps life as a worshipper? Now we know that worship is more than what goes on in a meeting, in a gathering like this or in a small group or when we lift our hands and, and give God adoration. We know that worship is the way that we live and how we honour God in the decisions that we make, what goes on in our hearts and lives, how we relate to others, how we then share our faith and witness to others. All of that is how we worship and how we express uh, the life of who God is in us. So we've been looking at a number of different things over the last few weeks. Some of it's been how to be a person of prayer, how to be a people of prayer, how to be how to be a worshipper in the face of challenge, in the face of stuff that just comes at us. How do we continue to put God right in the middle and at the centre of our lives and worship Him and come out the other side with an amazing story of God's faithfulness. And we're just going to begin over the next couple of weeks to look at how do we live as worshippers in our relationships. And today, this morning, we're going to look at what does that look like in our homes. Now we have a big challenge in our society because really everything that goes on stems from what happens in the home. So your worldview, your paradigms of thinking, your understanding of things initially were formed in your home when you were small, when you were little, when you were growing up. The environment in your home, the way your, your parents or whatever environment you grew up in, whatever they thought, whatever their philosophy of life was, however they perceived things, their opinions, a lot of that shaped the initial way that we think and that we, our outlook on, on life. And so we know there's so many different things going on in our culture, in our society at the moment. And a lot of that, the initial kind of formation of that thinking and the parameters of that are what takes place in the home. And then we know that on top of that, as we grow and in our culture now, we're bombarded through social media, through the news and in different ways. We're bombarded with all kinds of uh, uh, opinions, philosophies, lifestyle, agendas and everything else that are, are going on. And then that affects and challenges maybe some of the paradigms that each individual grew up with. It influences, maybe it even confirms and strengthens some of those things for different individuals. Uh, but as Christians, we know that we live not according to the shifting sands of how the world changes in any given moment to a trend or a fashion of lifestyle, of thinking, of philosophy and the culture of the day. We know that our lives are rooted in something more than just shifting sands that change with whatever's going on in the day uh, and at a time in a particular season in a nation or, or in nations. And so God wants our homes, the, how we live in our home, to establish something in our lives, in our kids' lives. But also more than that, 
He wants our home life and how we live as a family or as a household, how we are to begin to be a prophetic statement and an example that as other individuals, families, households are born again, come to know Jesus in these coming weeks, months and years, that we as, we as believers have a lifestyle that we live in the home that then can be an example, a demonstration of what that can look like to people that haven't grown up in an environment that is stable, secure, that has developed the right way of thinking, if you like, in life. Uh, for Jane and I, my wife and I, um, we've, uh, apart from the first year we were married, since then, uh, we've been married for 32 years and uh, it goes quickly. So if you're only thinking about getting married or just getting married, it goes quick. So enjoy every moment uh, that you're married. But for, for 31 of those 32 years, we've had people living with us uh, and, we've, uh, and our children have grown up with other people living with us. Sometimes one, sometimes two, other times three people living with us as, a kind of, as an extended family, as a household. And when those people have lived with us, they've always been part of our family. And the reason why we've always had people living with us is because people grow up in certain uh, situations, certain things happen to them, or they make decisions in their own life about how they're going to live. Sometimes they're victims of situations, other times they, they make their own choices and decisions. But sometimes people need to be in a stable environment. They sometimes need to be in a context that they've never known, or never experienced before. And, and so we've had the amazing honour and privilege of having a lot of people over the years live with us. And just on the basis of them living with us in a stable family environment, where there's no arguments, there's no rowing, uh, people aren't losing their tempers, people aren't kicking off in that environment. Uh, to be in a situation where God can bring healing uh, and freedom into their lives and stability and all of that. And, and, and a lot of that is people have never experienced that kind of stuff. And our homes, we want them to be a place of stability so that whether somebody's coming to visit or whether somebody's coming to stay, they experience something of the life and the presence of God because there's, there's God's order and God's lordship in our homes in a way that for many who don't know Jesus, there isn't that, that atmosphere and his presence in their homes. And so we're going to look at a few scriptures. And what I'm, what I'm basically doing this morning is taking three messages and, and condensing them down into about 30 minutes. Is that okay? So, um, so you'll have to keep nudging me if I get stuck on one particular point. Is that all right? So if you think he's going too much into this, just shout out, move on, get on with it. You've only got 10 minutes left or something like that, okay? Um, so what does it mean to have God's lordship in our home? Well, God wants his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. He has already released that kingdom. Jesus came and brought that kingdom to earth. And he wants his lordship, his kingdom, his rule and reign to be at work in our home. So let's just have a look at a couple of scriptures first of all. Luke 2 verse 14 says, Glory to God in the highest and on peace to men on whom his favour rests. So when Jesus was going to be born, the first thing that was proclaimed while he was being born at that moment, the angels appearing to the shepherds out in the fields, the thing they declared was glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. 
So there was a declaration made right at that moment about why the Son of, Ma Son of God was being born, why the Messiah, why Jesus was being born. It was to bring peace to men on earth, to people. Now the word peace there means, it means a couple of things. It, there's an element of salvation there, God's salvation, but it's also God's shalom, God's peace, total well-being, His abundant life being released on earth. Isaiah 53 verse 5, But He was pierced for our transgressions. This is talking about Jesus again. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him and by His wounds we are healed. So again, in that context of why Jesus was coming, why the Messiah was coming, it was to bring us peace. It was to bring us reconciliation with God, salvation, but this shalom, this total well-being, total abundance of God's life. And then in Numbers 6, 24 to 26, it says here, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Again, the word shalom in there. Now, that was the ironic blessing that, is, uh, that was given to speak over the Israelites, over the people of God. And, and that's God's heart for people. His shalom, His total abundance, His well-being, complete wholeness, nothing missing, nothing lacking or nothing lost. And, and the Jewish guys... Uh, they add a little phrase into that and their little phrase is the way things are supposed to be. So sometimes we can look at, we know from a Christian point of view, what we believe is how God wants them to be, how they're supposed to be. For most people out there, the Christian message or gospel is like for those who want it, but that's not really central to life and culture and society. It's like a thing over there if you want it. Whereas we know that God's, God's word and purpose is to be central and then are to determine the way that life is, society is and our culture is. And so this, this word that was spoken over these guys right at the beginning was to give you peace, shalom. Now, why was that so important? Because God chose the Jewish people, He chose the Israelites to, to reveal Himself to so that He could then reveal Himself through them to the nations. And so God's heart and purpose has always been salvation to the Jewish people, but also to the nations, to the Gentiles. And so this word shalom is a powerful word. Now, how many of you want that kind of shalom in your homes? Now, on one level, we already have that because I think many of us are in the room. We're already believers. Therefore, we have his life and his presence in us. But we want to make sure that we cultivate his presence, we want to cultivate his shalom, his total abundance, well-being, nothing missing, nothing lacking, so that whoever comes into our homes, whoever comes around our lives, they begin to experience the reality of his presence, of his life, of his shalom in our homes. Uh, you've probably had this said about your home, when you have people come round especially people that don't know Jesus and especially people that have got angst and issues and stuff going on in their lives. Uh, they come and they sit and they spend time, they eat, they might even stay. And one of the things that they say is, well, this, this, this place is so peaceful. This is so peaceful. I love being here. Can I, you know, or people want to just come round because it might be the only oasis of peace that they ever have in their life because of what is, what is going on. 
So we want to cultivate that shalom. How many families and households do you know that need that shalom? His total abundance, well-being, healing, wholeness, salvation, uh, and uh, what God wants to do in their, their lives. So we want his lordship in our lives. We want to cultivate that. Now, we, we spoke about this earlier in, in, earlier in the year in the church. We did three weeks on, on this and unpacked what does it look like. And partly because the congregation hadn't really started here, it was just forming. We thought it was a bit of irrelevant to bring this message at that moment. And uh, we felt it was right now in this series to, to, to bring this, uh, this message now. And <clears throat> why is this so important? Because in the home... You and I, we're the doorkeepers, the gatekeepers, if you like, of our homes. We determine what we allow and what we don't allow to go on. And we know that for many, many people, they don't think like that in their lives. They don't understand that concept necessarily. So many people that don't know Jesus, all kinds of things go on in the home. And most people live according to their emotions, by the mood that they're in, the mood of the day. We know that some people do have some very deep convictions about how they live. People that don't know the Lord do have some principles and core things as to how they live. And, uh, but in terms of how we understand things as believers, we, we have an authority as the gatekeepers, the doorkeepers of our homes as to what we allow and what we don't allow to go on in there. And I just want to read something from 1 Peter 2 verse 9. It says here, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So the Bible describes the believers as a royal priesthood. It describes the church, the body of Christ as a royal priesthood. Therefore, to have a priesthood, there must be priests. What is a priest? Well, according to the Old Testament, what did a priest have to do? A priest was someone who was set apart, set aside for a specific task. And a priest was set aside for something holy, for a holy task. And part of that task was someone who had been set apart by God, firstly to minister to God, but also that priest, part of his responsibility was to prepare and set things in place for God to come amongst the people that were then going to come and worship. And so if we translate that as believers, the Bible says that we are priests. Now, any believer in their home is a priest before God because a believer is a priest, somebody who ministers to God. But also part of our responsibility as priests or as believers is to help create an environment, in, say, in our homes for whoever lives in our home, our family, extended household, you could have single people living together as a household. Uh, you could have extended household like we do in our own home. And what part of our responsibility is to help to create an environment where the presence of God is honoured and whoever comes into our home, they come into that environment so they can also either receive whatever God wants to do in their life or be ministered to in that context. So as believers, you and I are priests. Now I know we've, there's been teaching where it's always the man in the home, he's the priest and, and, and everything else. And, and yes, the man, if the bloke is in the household, is head of the household in that sense. But as believers, we're all priests. So even your kids, like our kids, you know, they're grown up now, but while they were growing up, 
10, 12, 14, 16. As believers, they are part of that priesthood. They also minister to the Lord. They worship God. They surrender their lives to the Lord. And together as a family, when we worship together and pray together, we're all creating an environment for God's shalom, his total abundant well-being, life and peace to be amongst us as a family. So we're all priests before God who minister to him and create that environment. But also we're a priesthood together. But then the Bible says that we're a royal priesthood. We're a royal priesthood because we're priests of a kingdom, God's kingdom. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we serve in that kingdom as royal priests. What does it say in Revelation 1, 5 to 6? It says here, From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, he has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So he's called us to be a kingdom people. And a kingdom people obviously want to see his, God's kingdom extended and, and uh, into other people's lives. And so we're a, people, we're a kingdom people, but we're also priests of that kingdom. People who minister to him and then minister to others. I know priest isn't a kind of word that we generally use. Uh, believers or whatever, we're believers that minister to him and minister to, to other people. So if a priest prepares and sets things up or sets things in place for God to come, then we want to create that environment in our homes. Uh, now, earlier on in the year when we were talking about some of this stuff, um, quite a number of people in the church, uh, there's ladies that husbands aren't saved or the other way around or maybe some of their children aren't saved or, or you've got some younger guys that are in the church and they still live at home but their parents don't know God yet and and so some of this is, is like how do I do that then how do I do that at home when when my wife or my husband or my kids or whoever or my parents don't know the Lord how do I bring my home under his Lordship. Now we're going to look at some of that in a few minutes, some of the practicals as to how do we, we do some of this stuff and what does that really mean. But I just want to put a slate on the screen um, that has five kind of different levels to it, if you like. And uh, so we're part of God's kingdom. Uh, we're, and, and part of God's kingdom is obviously God is Lord, He's in charge. We have a king, it's Jesus. So we have God first of all, then He has a kingdom, then within the kingdom is the church. The kingdom of God is different from the church. God's kingdom is where he rules and reigns and he wants to extend that rule and reign into people's lives. As the body of Christ, we're, we are called the church and we're here to take God's kingdom out to the world. Then within all that, there's the local church. There's the, that, that expression of the church that has to be local somewhere. So we're part of the local church, but a local church is made up of believers and believers live in homes. Now how many, of you, how many of you know that the health of that local church is going to be hugely impacted by the health of what is going on in our homes? Because what we, how we live in our homes is what we bring together when we come together. 
And so God wants his lordship to be in our homes and we want to cultivate his presence and his lordship in our homes and how we are as a family so that when we come together as a church family, that life and power that is being released in our homes is released on an even greater scale together when we come together so that whether people come into our homes, they, they encounter not only the presence of God, but also the power of God. But also when, when people come amongst us as a family of believers, that they experience the presence and the power of God when they are with us, partly because we're cultivating that in our homes and therefore there's a magnifying of that when we come together. So we've used this word priest. Let's translate that word priest into pastor, for example. So uh, if we're all priests before God, we're all believers and we minister to the Lord. In your home, you're the pastor. In your home. So in your home, I, I'm not the pastor of your home. I, I'm the pastor of my home or the priest in my home, along with my wife. We're priests together in our home. And we're the pastors in our home. So maybe a bit more of a modern word to kind of understand. So your expectation, I don't know, I don't want to put words into that, but what's our expectation of a pastor, of a church leader? Well, there, our expectation of a church leader, a pastor, a minister or whatever, is that there's somebody who gives some vision, gives some direction, somebody who's going to, uh, uh, define you know, to us to be a worshipping people that when we come together we want Jesus to be the focus we want Lord, him to be Lord a pastor is going to bring teaching and bring the word they're going to encourage and, and strengthen us how to know God how to walk with God how to honour God how to what does that look like in our lives there's certain things that we would expect a pastor a leader a minister somebody to, to bring into the church family well, if we bring that down from just the local church, because often we focus on the local church as being the place that we all go to, to draw all the spiritual life that we need in order to then bring that back into our homes or our lives. And that is right and that is good. But often what we do is we focus on a lot of stuff on the local church and serve the vision of the church and get involved in the church and, and do all this in the church. And, and often what we've done is we've, we've neglected how important the home is, the believer in the home, priesthood in the home, family of believers in the home, God's shalom in the home, His life and power in the home. And we've put an expectation and we've built faith to expect God to move in power in the local church on a Sunday or in a meeting, which is great because we want that. We want that to be a high expectation. When we come together, God moves powerfully in people's lives. But we also want to expect when we're at home that God can move just as powerfully at home as he will do in a gathering with other believers. I think because going forward in our discipling of people, that happens in a, in a different environment. A lot of discipleship happens in the home, hanging out. Just as much is caught as it is taught, isn't it? So when Jesus was living, people not only heard his words, he saw how he expressed the life that he was living. Often Jesus would do something, express something of the life of the Father on earth, and then he would explain what was going on. Or, or give an understanding of the kingdom. So he lived something out and put words to it on the way. Other times he put words, he gave words out and then showed what that looked like. And so our, our, our kids, if you've been in that, we've all grown up in, in, um, in, in an environment. And 
no matter what your parents said to you while you were growing up or whatever context you were in, sometimes you heard things said that didn't necessarily line up with what you saw. And, it, you know, and, uh, and how many of you know a, a child is going to learn more what they see and the behaviour around them than necessarily what is said, especially if the two don't line up? And, and so one of the amazing things about what God does amongst us and how he develops his life is that when people come amongst us, he wants them to pick up the life that we share together. How we serve one another, love one another, lay our lives down. For, that it's so part of the family culture of who we are as a church that that's, that's discipling people because they see how we live, not just hear the words that we tell people how to, to live by. So in the Great Commission, when Jesus said, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, the word teach there is not just teach with words, it means to show by example how you live and everything. So we, 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 we're called as, as prof, to be prophetic in terms of our marriages and our family and what that looks like in the culture. I'm getting way behind here. Uh, according to my notes. You wouldn't have a clue because you can't see my notes. Yeah. So why is this so important? Home life, marriage, family is, is a backbone in society. Backbone in society. If you have fragmented family, you have fragmented society. 21st century lifestyle is, is full of pressure, drive, produce, succeed. For many, there just doesn't feel like there's no time, space or room to catch your breath, to breathe, to just get out. You, you, people's, people feel like their lives are driven. They've got to succeed. They've got to be this, this and this and that and the other. And one of the ways that, that the enemy, the devil seeks to take dominion on earth is to try and destroy family, divide family, fragment family. Now as Christians, we're, we're, we're not part of that system, if I can put it that way. God has called us to live something that is different. So if we have a challenge of, of, of society is really a reflection of what, is, what goes on in the homes. Now that might sound a bit of a statement thinking, well, hang on a minute. Look at all the politics that we have. Look at all of this that we have. Look at all the other lifestyle issues that are going on and the, the, the gender identity stuff and everything else going on at the moment. And, and, and most, it's very, very easy to say yes, but we're, all of that's been influenced by the wider society and by the culture of the day and by the government for certain things or, or pressure groups on other things or whoever's got the money to, to, to reinforce something over here or there or the media or whatever it is it's very easy to think that it's all this outside influence that shapes everything and of course that has a huge massive impact on what's going on but the formulation of what someone believes thinks their outlook on life starts wherever they grow up and so God's lordship in our homes and the lifestyle that we live 
and the kind of culture that we develop in our homes and then how we reach our friends and neighbours and whoever comes into our homes. God wants to help to transform people's understanding of family, of marriage, of parenting, relationship between kids and their parents because of how we live, not just because of what we say as Christians. I think the biggest question somebody has when you are witnessing to them and they've had stuff going on in their lives, one of the questions they ask you is, does this work? Does it really work? And that's why your testimony is so powerful because every one of us have testimonies about how God works or has worked in our lives and nobody can take that testimony away from you. And it's amazing when you give a testimony about this is what God did in me, this is what he did in the situation, this is what's happened, this is how I came through the other side or whatever. God, the Holy Spirit can use that amazingly to speak into someone's heart and life. So as well as the gospel, our testimony, you know, of the gospel and the effect it's had in our life is so, so important. But then how we live in our homes is so key. Let's just have a look in Genesis chapter 2, a couple of verses in here, because God has a solution to the problem that we are speaking about in terms of how society impacted by how we live in our homes. How do we set up his lordship in our homes in a way that then becomes a place of healing and wholeness for others? In Genesis 2, it says here, By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. The word holy means to be set apart. And set it apart because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now the word rest there, or rested, or the word rest there means Shabbat. It means Sabbath. Sabbath simply means rest. It means, uh, it means a moment where you stop, where you cease from certain things. And we're going to just unpack this quickly uh, this morning. Uh, when we talk about Shabbat or Sabbath, that word, I think it's easy that we immediately associate that. So well, isn't that a Jewish thing? Uh, isn't that just a, a something maybe, isn't that under the Old Testament law? Isn't that a thing connected with the law? Uh, or a religious activity uh, but this is something that, that was established by God before there were any Israelites or Jewish people around, before um, the law was put in place. God spoke about an order in life. Now, what we're not, what we're not going to talk about now is, you know, you have to have a Sabbath day a, and it, as a religious thing here, what we're talking about, because we're going to just unpack this for a moment. But what, what God talks about here, he made a time and a space that was for him, a day unto him that was called holy, according to what he said in the word. So Sabbath is really a sacred time and space that we want to give God. Now, I just want to unpack some stuff in Hebrews 4 for a couple of minutes. Uh, because this helps us to see that the writer of Hebrews, in these 11 verses we're going to read, the word rest is used 11 times. But there's three different words for uh, meanings for the word rest and what is being spoken about here in, in the Bible. So let's just have a look at this for a minute. Because one of the things God wants us to do in our, in our lives is if we're saying that our lives are busy, there's pressure, there's, you've got to drive, there's, you know, you've got to succeed and all this stuff. It's so easy to take that on in our home life. Uh, 
we're busy doing this, busy doing that, busy doing the other. And, and then it's like, so we know that we are believers. We know that we live in Christ and therefore our life belongs to him and therefore everything belongs to him. And therefore you say, well, my home belongs to him because I'm in Christ and, and, and I honour God in my home and everything else. So everything comes under his, his lordship. But within that, there's, a time, there's time and space that we need to give to God to cultivate his shalom, his lordship, to give him space to come and work and move in our homes and in our lives as families. So let's just unpack some of this for a minute. It says here in verse one, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, the word rest there means abode or God's habitation, his dwelling. Uh, for since the promise of entering his abode, really what that means is the life that we now have in Christ. To enter into that life in Christ, uh, it still stands. Let's be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. What does that mean? He then explains it in the next verse. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. So the writer of the Hebrews is, is alluding, because he does later on, to the people of Israel going into the promised land. They didn't believe God's promises, so they didn't enter into that rest. But he's also now paralleling that with the rest that God wants to bring us into in terms of our relationship with him. And if we don't by faith respond to the gospel, then we don't enter the rest, the shalom, the salvation, the healing, the wholeness that God wants to have in every person's life. So that there must be a response of faith to the gospel in order to enter into what God wants to give every person. His life, his wholeness, forgiveness, freedom, salvation, deliverance, healing. Then it says here in verse 3, now we who have believed enter into that rest, into that abode, his habitation, relationship with him, just as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger, this is that they shall never enter my rest abode, that is obviously speaking to the Israelites, and yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested. The word rested there is to cease from your work, your natural work. And uh, then it says here, again in this passage, he says, they shall never enter my rest, abode, habitation. It still remains that some will enter this, my salvation, and those who formerly uh, had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. So, so far, God is speaking about entering into his salvation, into that rest, into that relationship. But then in the middle of that, it says that after six days, God rested from his work and made a day holy, set apart. And then if we just read through into verse eight, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now the word Sabbath rest there, Sabbath is obviously the word rest, but it also means a holy rest. An appointed time or an appointed or an appointment with God. For anyone who enters God's abode, his or, or rest, which in this one means abode in verse 10, his salvation also ceases from his own work, from his own striving, his own efforts, because he's now in Christ, 
just as God did from his. So when we, hopefully you're with me, you're with me for a minute, which is a bit confusing. You with me? There's three meanings for rest in, in these verses, which is really important. One is, one is his shalom, his peace, his rest, his salvation, who we are in Christ. We're, old has gone, the new has come. We're a new creation in Christ. The life we now live is the life that we live in him. Another, one of the other words there is we rest from our own schedule work, efforts, in terms of what we do daily. And the other one is uh, this Sabbath rest, which is an appointment or an appointed time with God. So in our homes, we want to honour God. And we would all say, he's Lord of my life, he's Lord of my home, and therefore we want to honour him in everything we do in our home. But in our schedule, God also wants us to cease from our normal daily schedule, not just the work that we do going to work, but we all have schedules at home, uh, and different things we do. And in that schedule, God is saying, I want an appointed time. I want some time with you, where as believers in Christ, in your relationship with me, where you're, you've, the old has gone, the new has come, you're now in Christ, in your relationship with me, I want you to put your schedule and what you normally do on hold because I want some time with you, an appointed time where you're giving me space to speak, to minister and for my shalom, my abundance, my well-being, my life and my power to be released amongst you. Now, I don't believe that appointed time just has to be once a week or you have to set aside a day to do it in terms of, and suddenly right now, Saturday, every Saturday then this is what we're going to do. We're not saying that. What we're saying is there's got to be space and time in our lives, in our homes, where we have appointments with God, where we say, God, this is just for you. It, you, you might do it every day after a meal time. Uh, maybe sitting down around a table is unusual for people. So many families don't even get around the table any longer. So many families don't get together and have conversations about stuff. How would you get on today? What was your day like? Are you doing all right? Is everything going okay? Some of those things never happen in, in many families. People just have a, they don't have schedules. They come in, they eat when they want. Somebody does the food, they eat it up in their room. They're playing on their computer, on social media. You know, it's like the, the hub of family, of community in a home, for many, is not there any longer. And we want to cultivate God's presence in our homes. Now, where does that start? It starts with our own relationship with God. But that also is fueled by how we are together as family or as a household, wherever we live. Now we know that our lives, all of us, and if you've got kids and they're growing up and, and you're at home, how many of you have had conversations around the dinner table of things that were said at school or college that day? Things that might have been said at work about things, about life, about stuff, about some of the things that as Christians, we wouldn't necessarily agree with and believe that go on in our culture and society. How many times have you had conversations around the table? And <clears throat> I believe that God wants us to get around the table in a fresh way in our homes because that's the place where a lot of discipleship goes on 
without us really realising how important those moments are as a family. I know with our kids, when they were growing up, sometimes they'd come home, and, and Megan, our daughter, she was studying philosophy and ethics for uh, a GCSEs, and you always knew what kind of conversation they'd had that day, because in the middle of whatever we were doing, having dinner, she'd say, can I ask a question? Or what do you think about this? Or somebody said this today, what do you think? And, and it would spark a conversation around, well, well, it's not so much what do I think, what, what do we believe? What, what's our response to that in terms of what, what, what does God think about that? What does his word say about that? And, and therefore, how does that inform us that we need to understand that or see that? Uh, or, or, and how do we communicate then our response to that in a situation so that we're not standing on a soapbox telling people you're wrong and we're right, but how do we engage with the conversation of the day in a way that is informed from the word, not only what the word says, but as Jesus said himself in, in, uh, in John 12, he says in there that my father commands me what to say, but then it also then says at the end of that verse, and how to say it. And how to say something is just as important as what we say. And so getting around the table is a time of discipleship and, and we, we don't officially make it that, but it becomes that without our kids realising or other people that have come for dinner or whatever's going on that we invite around in our home or people that live with us or whatever the context. And it's less about spouting our opinions because you know what it's like. As soon as opinions come in, uh, everybody's blood pressure starts to rise. And, and the, the conversation goes from a, a chat and what do you think into potential argument and, and well, you can't say that, you can't say this and, and all of that. And so I, I, I know for you, and, and none of us want the social media to disciple our kids. We don't want the news to disciple our kids. We don't want the conversations in the lessons to disciple our kids and say, this is how you should think. This is what you should wear. This is how you should behave. This is how you should think. This is what is expected of you and, and all this kind of stuff. And if we never have the, if we don't get around the table, if we don't break bread together and put Jesus right at the center and say, let's submit our lives to him. Let's keep walking with him. Let's see, well, how does he think about this? Because this, this has given us and, and helps us to know how does God think about things? What is his heart for people? How do we translate that then into these situations? And, and it's those conversations that are so important as our, as our kids are growing up or if you have people live with you or if you have people around for dinner or you lead a small group or you're in a small group. It, it, especially in the culture of today with the gender identity stuff, what's going on with Brexit and everything else. Everybody's got so many opinions about everything. And in amongst that, kind of example is God wants to restore his lordship in the home and he wants us to understand in a fresh way that he wants to bring back re-empower if I can put it that way the priesthood of who we are as believers in our homes and without going into loads of history Constantine in the first few centuries the priesthood of the home was stripped out because suddenly, if you want to worship, you've got to come to a building. If you want to read the Bible, somebody else has to read it to you. The priest did everything. You can't have communion in your home because you've not been ordained. You're not allowed to do that. 
You have to come to a building to confess your sins, to be forgiven. There are loads of things. You have to go to a building to do this sort of thing. And in some ways, if we're not careful, some of how we do 21st century church and what's being modelled to so many people is is stage-led ministry and leadership that has defined, you, you, you know, you, you've got to be a certain way if you're going to minister to somebody or you've got to do it in a certain way or you've got to have a certain type of anointing if you're, all of that kind of stuff. And in some ways, sometimes we've disempowered the believer in the home because we focused on the local church or the church as to the minister or the ministry of the man of God or woman of God person and all of that. And sometimes without realising it, that has empowered people in certain ways, but it's also disempowered many people because they look and say, wow, I'm not like that. I don't know the word like that. I don't have a hotline to God like that person seems to and, and all of that kind of stuff. And the Holy Spirit is the same in your home as he is in here today or any other setting. And God wants to release his power and his life just as much in your home, into your own family, your own setting, as he does when people come into your home and the environment that he wants them to encounter in terms of him being Lord. I think that will do in terms of, there's loads more, but I think that will do for, for now. Um, so how many, if I say, if I ask the question, how many you want his lordship in the home? We would all say, well, well he is. But we want to we wanna have some appointments with God. We want to have some time with God. So it's the same as saying, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. Uh, I don't necessarily spend time with the Lord on my own because he's with me all the time. I can chat to him in the car. I can chat to him here. And that's absolutely fine. And that's the same with any relationship. But you know, if you want an intimacy that is unique, that is different from any other relationship, how many of you know that you, you spending time with an individual defines an intimacy and a depth of relationship communication and everything else that goes on that doesn't happen with anybody else in any other setting. And, and I believe that in our, in our homes, whether it's, whether it's one night a week uh, or it's a particular day or whatever you, you set as time, that we give space and time as a household, as a family, whoever you live with, Say, God, there's nothing else. We're turning everything else off. We're shutting everything else down. Phones are over there. We're not just doing a bit of texting under the table, you know, for the next couple of minutes because, you know, my dad wants to read the Bible and it's going to be boring, you know, whatever. And we've had some amazing testimonies from other congregations where some parents are like, how on earth are we going to do this with our kids? We've never done anything like this. We've never done, you know, my kids are going to kick off. There's a, and, and we've had some families say, first two or three weeks to try, it was really hard work. The kids were off here and off there. They weren't, you know, this is boring, this, that and the other. And as parents or as the parent, depending on the situation, I began to pray and say, God, would you do something that when we meet as a family and do this, that you do something when my kids go, oh, this is, yeah, this is great, this is brilliant. And we produced some other, some material to help people, some families, you know, with some stuff. And, and we've had some amazing stories now where the kids are praying. They're praying for their parents, laying hands on them, or the other way around. Uh, we'd encourage everybody, get around the table and at least once a week, as parents, whoever's head of the household, pray for the kids. 
Speak that ironic blessing over their life. Uh, lay hands on them. Speak the blessing. Tell them that you love them, that they are valued, that their life matters, that they're significant to you and to the Lord. And, and ask God to give you a word for them. You know, prophesy over your kids. Get a scripture. Hey, I was praying for you earlier, ready, getting ready for tonight. And, and this is what I believe God wants to say to you. I want to really encourage you and bless you. You know, how many times do we do that with our, with our kids? It might happen at church in the children's ministry. But how much more does it need to happen at home? Because the first responsibility for our kids knowing God is with me as a parent, not with the, the children's worker at the church on a Sunday. And... Um, and what would it be like to encourage our kids to help hear the voice of God? Then they pray for you as a parent, as a mum or a dad or other people that have come around and then they get a word for them. Say, hey, um, you know, I was, and it might be simple. It doesn't have to be a prophecy that's going to shake the planet, you know. It, it, it might be a simple word, but for that person, boom, it does something. Or your kids, you say, I'm not feeling too good. Would you pray for me? Lay hands on me and let's believe that God's going to get rid of the pain or whatever it is as we pray together. And then our kids see the power of God release in our homes. Because we, we don't want to cultivate the same thing that's being cultivated in many, that you go to church to see a miracle. You go to church if God's going to move powerfully. Of course he's going to do that there, but we want him to do that in our homes. Where we are, where we're living, and what we're seeing cultivated. So let's stand together, shall we? And uh, we'll just spend a few minutes just responding to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now just, we're going to put a track on in a moment and the first, I think, three or four minutes of it anyway. Um, and while we're doing that, I just want to encourage you just to submit yourself afresh to the Lord and your home, your marriage, your family, whatever context you're in, just bring it under his lordship in a fresh way. And the song is uh, it's New Wine by Hillsong and... and it talks about in the crushing, in the pressing. Uh, and it's saying, you know, God, as you work in me and as you do stuff in me, in that crushing, in that pressing, that place of refining, would you bring new wine? Would there be a new release of your life, your spirit in my life? And, and at one point it says, I put away the old flame to pick up the new fire today. And, and I believe that while we respond, uh, whether you, whatever your home life is like, whatever it's been like, don't, don't allow the enemy to jump on anything this morning and say, you've been a bad parent, you've messed it, you've messed up, you've been rubbish. All that, Don't let, draw a line today. It says, where, where, whatever's happened has happened up to this point. And today I'm going to step over that line. I'm going to step into something new and fresh in God and with God, in my life and in my home. And especially if not everybody in your house, your home is, is born again, you can still do this on your own initially if you're the only believer in your home where you can spend some time just saying, okay, Father, I'm going to spend this appointed time with you now, not for myself, but for my family, my household. And you spend a bit of time worshipping, you break bread, 
And you just bring your home and your family under his lordship. He's saying, Father, I want your shalom to come into my home in a fresh way. I'm not striving. I'm not doing this out of frustration. I'm not trying to get you to do something. But in this place of rest, I want your presence to come afresh into my home. And see what God begins to do in your husband or your wife or your kids, your family, whatever the context is. So as this track comes on, it's not going to be loud. It's just going to be there, kind of in the background so we can hear the words. But just while we're, while we're going through, the words are going to help you. But just pray, just respond. Submit yourself afresh, your marriage, your household, parenting. If you think you've done a good job or not, just submit all of that, surrender it afresh. If you know you need a breakthrough, it's like, Father, I thank you for your wisdom in my home, how to parent, how to be with my kids who don't know you yet. I want to bring everything under your lordship so that your shalom, your total well-being and abundance begins to work in my home in a fresh way. I see a turnaround with my children in these coming weeks, a softening of their attitude and heart. Show me, Holy Spirit, how to love them in a way that knocks down some of their guards and barriers and resistance. All of that kind of stuff. Let's just put the track on and let's just take a few moments just to pray and respond to the Lord for a few minutes. Father, we want your shalom to break out in our homes and families and households in a fresh way. Your total well-being, abundance, nothing missing, nothing lost. Family members that have gone away from the Lord, coming back to the Lord because of what you're doing in our homes. Father, we thank you. It says as that new wine is released, there's a new power, fresh release of your power. As we, get, as we let go of the old flame of what's gone before, we just let go of that, but we take hold of the new fire today. We thank you for that fresh release of your spirit in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our households. Father, we just lift those in our homes and households that don't know you. Father, as we exalt you afresh in our homes and bring our homes under your lordship, we thank you, Father, for a fresh release of your life, your power that touches their lives, our husbands, our wives, our children, our parents, our wider family. Father, we thank you for your, your life, your power, your salvation being released afresh into our homes. And Father, I thank you that once again, our homes become such a prophetic example, an oasis of life and peace, that as people come across the threshold of our homes, they step into your presence. They step into your life. Something of who you are comes upon them just because you fill in our homes with who you are. And Father, I thank you for a restoring of your life and power in our homes in a fresh way. Miracles, healings, release, freedom, salvation in our homes in a fresh way, in a fresh way. That restoring of the priesthood of every believer in our homes gets restored, Father. 
because we understand that family is a fabric of society. It's a backbone of society. And Father, we want all of our family lives, our homes to be like a beacon, a light in our street, in our community. That people know if you want healing, go to those people. If you need peace, get into their home. If you need an answer, some wisdom, go around their house. Father, we thank You that You've called us to be a beacon of light, homes of life, households of freedom, Father. We thank You, Lord. We praise Your Name. We praise Your Name. We praise Your Name. Father, we know that as that increases, as we come together as a body, a family of believers, and that life and power is going to even emanate more, increase even more from who we are. So Father, we praise Your mighty Name. Now, if you know, maybe you feel like, well, I've not done a good job of that. I've never really got my family around the table or my house or whatever. Just bring that under his law. Say, Father, I ask you to forgive me if I've not done it. I haven't been good at it. I want to let go of all the failure. I want to let go of all the rubbish, all the negativity. I'm not going to allow any condemnation right now to come upon me whatsoever because that's not mine. And I just... Draw that line today and I step across that line right now. Just step over it now. Say, Father, I thank you for the new beginnings in my home. A new release of your presence and your light and your life and your power in my home. We thank you, Lord. We praise your mighty, awesome, wonderful name. Let's just thank the Lord, shall we, for what he's doing, what he's saying into our homes. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Just before I hand back to, to Matt, maybe you've never had communion in your home and uh, you, can, uh, you can do that. Just get some bread, some doesn't have to be wine, you can get some juice and just take a few minutes and just remember who Jesus is and what he's done and, and just sit and simply, don't, you don't have to turn it into a religious thing. If you've got kids, you've never done that, just in the middle of dinner. Um, that's what Jesus did in the meal. That's what he did in the early church when they were in each other's homes eating, celebrating. They broke bread. So you don't have to suddenly turn it into a meeting, right? Because your kids, oh, what are we doing now? What are we doing now? Maybe just in the middle of dinner, you know, you come to the end of your main course before you have dessert or whatever you do next. Just say, stop. Hey, guys, we're going to just have communion and we're going to break bread and we're, and we're just going to take a couple of minutes. Let's just talk to Jesus and, and maybe just share with your kids this is what he did. And this is what he's done if they don't know. And, and have communion with your, your kids and, and, uh, and involve them in terms of what's going on. You don't have to make it a 30-minute meeting with a message and a bit of worship. And it might be that two minutes is all your kids can handle at first. But two might become three. Three might become five as God begins to work and move. And then they begin to pray if they've never done that or, or whatever. Maybe simply just say to your kids, hey, why don't you just say, why don't you thank Jesus for what, what is one thing you're thankful for? And they might say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for my mum, your brilliant mum, or whatever. Great, well, let's do that. And it's just beginning to start something. Don't, you don't have to think, well, we need a revival meeting now, you know, at a dinner table. And why are my kids praying in tongues and doing all this stuff? We'll just start somewhere and begin to cultivate something. If, if you've never done anything like that before, or other households that we know, and we, we can help in that way. So make it really simple but practical. But just invite God, though, in those moments. Say, Holy Spirit, we invite you to be here. We invite you to just reveal who God is to us in a fresh way and just see what God begins to, to do and to cultivate. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. 
For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.